BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Balance Wand Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and I'm so happy to have you here listening to the show. On this show, we talk about everything from wellness to spirituality, to channeling, to aliens, to five-dimensional consciousness, to more earthly things like entrepreneurial lifestyle, branding, healing the body, plant-based lifestyle, and so much more. You'll find a little bit of everything on this podcast because we are anything but boring over here. And today I wanted to talk all about my journey with alcohol because every time I share about this on social media, Instagram, the blog, or here on the podcast, because we do have a solo episode on this previously, which we'll link below if you want to hear. This was kind of, that was a part one. This can be part two, but that was like a year and a half ago. So we have a lot of updates about living alcohol-free for you guys now. So every time I talk about it anywhere, there's so much interest, so many questions, and so so many people, so many young people, people of all ages who are interested in living a sober lifestyle, whether that be out of necessity for people who are recovering from addictions or out of more lifestyle habits or interest or just don't have the desire to drink. So that's kind of where I fall. I don't have the desire to drink, but I'm also healing, as many of you know, from chronic illness. So that's played a huge part in my journey. I have been on the spiritual path for a long time. That's played another big role in my journey to not drinking alcohol anymore. And I also just overdrank a lot as a teenager and a college student, which never led to good things, which we'll talk about in this episode. So I kind of want to cover all of that part of the story and then how I'm feeling now and all the benefits that I've experienced from not drinking alcohol for now the last year and a half. I haven't touched it. So it's been over 18 months by the time this comes out. It'll be over 19 months. And as I always say, even before before that, I really didn't drink for about five years. I would just drink at weddings and kind of under social pressure. And when I finally stopped doing that, oh my gosh, so many amazing things happened. I felt like I was free. Also, oh my goodness, speaking of spirituality, I'm getting a huge ping out of nowhere right now to channel the Pleiadians or my angels and ancestors a little bit in this episode to talk about their take on why I don't drink alcohol and kind of that journey 
that um, that they helped me along with. So I didn't think I would be channeling in this episode, but it looks like I will be because they are speaking to me loud and clear about that, which is exciting. So we'll get into all of that. We also answer your questions. You guys sent in questions on Instagram about me living sober and not drinking alcohol. You had so many. I've actually never, I don't think, received so many questions for one episode topic before, which goes to show me that this is such a more popular topic now than it was several years ago when I was in college or I was in high school. Binge drinking was just what you did. It was just the thing. And I feel like things are changing slowly but surely. And I'm really honored and excited to be at the forefront of that among so many other people who are involved in the alcohol-free lifestyle. I went on my friend Ruby Warrington's podcast, Sober Curious, earlier this year. So if you want to listen to that episode before this or after this, if you don't feel satiated by the end of this episode with all of the good Sober Curious conversation, I would highly recommend listening to that episode. We'll also link it in the show notes so that you can hear it. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive deep on this topic with all of you guys, my favorite people ever. So before we get into the episode, just a couple things. Number one, I would love, love, love to thank our sponsor for this episode, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is my favorite CBD brand. We've been talking all about it on the show for the last several months. We had the founder of Cured Nutrition, Joseph Sheehy, on the podcast talking not just about CBD, but also about mental health, conscious relationships, the healing power of nature, plant medicine, and so much more. So check out that episode. We will link it in the show notes so that you can listen and fall in love with Joe and his personality because you know I only support brands on the podcast and blog and everywhere else that are founded by people that I can really, really stand behind and that are just mutually respectful and kind and amazing. Not to mention all of Cured Nutrition's products are beyond, beyond next level. So first of all, I want you to know that you can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, for 10% off of any and all Hum Nutrition products a couple of my favorites that I take all the time, which I feel like you guys know by now. So after I tell you what my favorites are, I'm just going to tell you about some of their other products as well. The ones that I take every day are their mint tincture to help me sleep. Jonathan takes it every day too. He doses himself way higher than I dose myself because he has a much higher tolerance for all things CBD. But don't worry, CBD doesn't get you high if you don't like that feeling. And since we are talking about sobriety in this episode, it's important to note that hemp is not something that is psychoactive on its own. So Cured Nutrition products, they just help you relax. They help you sleep. They're anti-inflammatory. They help ease and calm anxiety. 
And I love that mint tincture. Like I was saying, they also have gel caps if you're not a big tincture person. And then my other favorite product of theirs that I use every day is the pain salve, which has shea butter. It has peppermint. It smells good. It's amazing for my Lyme joint pain that I experience that is no fun, but I use the pain salve every night and it has helped me so much. It has also helped my dad with his arthritis. So I always make sure he's stocked up on it as well. And then a couple other great products that you'll find on Hum Nutrition are their mushroom plus CBD blends. They have one for sleep. They have one for the morning, which is also a nootropic. So nootropics are pretty amazing. They just make your brain work a little bit better. They um, help you live the most optimal life. Nootropics are one of the first wellnessy things that I got into back in the day when I was living in New York. And they're totally caffeine-free, totally stimulant-free, encourages wakefulness and focus for the daytime one, and then encourages sleep, of course, at night all THC-free, vegan, and gluten-free. And I know you guys will love Cured Nutrition, so check them out. Use that code BLONDE for a discount and enjoy. Tag me on Instagram when you try them. That's my favorite, favorite thing is seeing what you guys are trying out. And we're all in this together. We're all on this healing journey together. So when I find something that works for me, it just makes me happy to be able to share it with you guys. So That said, thank you for sponsoring Cured Nutrition. Now let's just start talking about alcohol, sobriety, and my journey. So I suppose we should start at the beginning. And if you listened to my previous episode about my alcohol journey, I apologize for anything that is repetitive. I haven't listened to it again in a long time, but I'm sure knowing myself, I will say something quite different because I always just speak very off the cuff. So let's go back to high school when I first started drinking, which yes, is younger than I would recommend, but I feel like it happens. That's what people do. I have a niece who's in high school now. I'm seeing the same cycle play out. And honestly, it's it's not a bad thing. I mean, first of all, I know it's not legal for people to drink under the age of 21, but I always say I'm so thankful that my parents did allow me to drink when I was in high school after having had many conversations with them about it and they weren't okay with it at first. But eventually we had a conversation when I turned either 16 or 17 when I told them, look, here's the deal. I drink alcohol. I go to parties. Alcohol's involved. All my friends and I drink alcohol. So if you want me to lie to you about where I'm staying and what I'm doing, I can do that, but if you want me to tell the truth and be safe and have you pick me up from parties or be able to tell you where I'm staying and what I'm doing, let's just have an open policy about alcohol and I promise I'll never do anything stupid or drink into oblivion. So we had an agreement that as long as I drank responsibly and didn't do things like black out or get sick from alcohol or, um, which I did by the way, get sick from alcohol a lot. Um, but basically as long as I didn't drink into oblivion and do anything stupid, then my parents were okay with me drinking. And I had a really open policy with them, which I'm so thankful for to this day because 
it really helped me a lot to drink at that young age and get it all out of my system. Now that said, I know some people never get it out of their system. Some people enjoy alcohol forever and that's totally fine. I have no judgment toward the way people choose to live their life. And then there's other people who have a bad relationship with alcohol who um, might start at a young age and then they don't get it out of their system, quote unquote. They just continue down a negative road. And so I want to be really mindful of those people. My story is not a story of addiction and I'm very grateful for that. I totally recognize that that is a huge privilege. And although I do have an addictive personality with certain things, I never had an addictive personality with alcohol or with drugs or anything like that. Um, anything that altered my mind, let's just put it that way. Um, so when I was younger, I would drink mostly for social reasons. We would drink at parties. The first time I ever drank was on New Year's. I was a sophomore in high school and I took nine shots of vodka in a bathroom, nine shots in probably 30 minutes, just thinking like if it didn't hit me immediately, then it wasn't going to work. That's why I kept taking more. And then it hit me all at once. And it was also the first night that I ever got high. So I also smoked out of a bong that night, like extreme amounts of weed and was crossfaded as we called it, very crossfaded. And all I did the entire night, you guys, was cry. I sat on a chair at our friend's house, our friend Brian's house, where we were ringing in the new year. And I hysterically cried my eyes out the entire night. And we got my mom. So my mom was coming to pick us up at like two in the morning. And that was a pre-agreed upon time. And this was before I had the conversation with my parents about open drinking and this policy of it's okay to drink as long as I was honest with them. So this was definitely before that. This was the first time I ever drank. And my friends tried to convince my mom to come later and let us stay later so that I could just get myself together and wouldn't get all of us in trouble. And we were all drunk, by the way, but I was the only person who was super hysterical and crying and I had mascara running all the way down my face. So my mom picked us up at two. Um, all of our crafty questions to her about coming later didn't exactly work out. She was like, no, I'm still coming at two. So she came, I tried to sit in the back seat. Um, she loves to tell this story where she said, Jordan, get in the front seat because she immediately knew something was wrong. And I just jumped into the front seat. I basically somersaulted, practically kicked her in the head with my heels and then just tried to make small talk or so I thought with her the whole way home with like four or five of my friends in the back of the car. And she knew that I was totally drunk, that we were all drunk. She tried to confront me about it. And one of my friends, when we got home and we just told her that we were not drinking and we tried to get out of it. And then she was like, if you, if you keep lying, it'll get way worse. Um, and so we ended up telling the truth, got grounded. And during that time of being grounded, my rebellious side just amplified. So I would sneak out and drink. And then when my grounding was up after what was supposed to be a month, probably only lasted like three weeks or so, because I know how um, 
convincing I could be with my parents when I didn't want to do something. I just went all out after I was not grounded anymore, drank every weekend, drank heavily. And often, this was a lot of fun, and then often I would just cry. Just like my first experience drinking alcohol, I would just cry and cry. And my reason, um, reasons for crying became more pronounced as high school went on. So when I was a junior, um, I talked about this in a different solo episode, episode 32. When I was a junior, my boyfriend slash the love of my life, Tommy, started dealing with substance abuse issues. And beyond the substance abuse issues, he was um, very depressed and had a lot of mental health struggles. And I tried to help him. I mean, I did. I dedicated my life to try to help him at that time and for a whole many years after that. Um, But when we were juniors, Tommy, after a night of binge drinking with myself and many of our friends. Um, And he was also doing other things. He was snorting cocaine in the bathroom, doing things that I, at the time, had no idea were even a thing. Because although I was rebellious in my own ways with alcohol, I didn't even know anything about drugs beyond marijuana. I had no idea People around me were doing them. If they were doing them, I also didn't know the severe dangers of them. So Tommy was doing that. He was also doing a lot of other things that night. And later that night, Tommy tried to take his life for the first time. And I spent a a large portion of the next day thinking that he was gone because I got a death letter from him a goodbye, a goodbye letter, I should call it. And, um, and that was like the pivotal point of my childhood. So I was 16 years old. He was 16 years old and our lives changed forever. His life clearly changed forever, but my life as someone who loved him and was heavily involved with him also changed forever. So I continued while he was recovering going out with friends and drinking and just living this very social life, socially driven life um, that really was so important to me to be with people, to be with my friends. That's how I identified myself. That's what I was always praised for when I was young is Jordan, Jordan who has so many friends, Jordan who's so good to her friends, Jordan who um, is up for anything. So of course, to live up to all that, that's what I did. I I was up for anything. Um, so I would drink heavily, continue to do that. We would have parties at one of my friend's houses all the time. And we, for some reason, thought that because we were throwing the party for hundreds of people, we should also supply the alcohol, which looking back is so crazy. So we had fake IDs. By the way, if there's any young people listening to this, just don't do what I did. Because um, all of this was just was just so out there. So we did a lot of things, but we had fake IDs. We would supply Smirnoff, like flavored Smirnoff for everyone coming to the party. Of course, immediately all this alcohol would get stolen, (laughs) taken to other parties. Like it was so silly. 
that we that we thought that we had to do that but we would do that we would drink so much and then truly from then on every time I drank I would end up in hysterical tears either having um major post-traumatic stress back to the night that Tommy tried to take his life or to the next day when I thought that he was no longer alive or I would just cry about him not hearing from him because to this day unfortunately and not to divulge too much about Tommy because this is not my story to tell um he can still be very hard to get a hold of and it's it's this whole thing for all of us who love him and care about him and have been worried so that was going on I would be trying to get a hold of him or he would supposed to would would supposed to be at the party with us he wouldn't come and then that would send me into a tailspin we would go to his house we would knock on the door he wouldn't be home or he would be and his parents would tell us he wasn't home just so many things like that happened so many 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 nights of my high school were then spent basically hysterically crying and drinking alcohol and at the time I thought I was having fun you know for most of the night until way later in the night when I would break down and I felt so supported and everyone in my life I have such good people in my life then and now really understood what I was going through and they were going through it with me we were all close to Tommy so in high school that's kind of how it went and then in college kept drinking, kept seeing Tommy. Tommy would visit me. He, maybe the beginning of my freshman year, he was having a better time with his struggles. One of his better times where he would visit me. He was still healthy despite what what he had been going through. And then shortly after that is when he started doing the very, very hardcore drugs when I feel like I really lost him to, um, his brain chemistry and just to addictions. So in college, same thing, drink heavily, worry about him, freak out. There were many, many more situations where he tried to take his life where I thought I was saying goodbye for the final time. Um, so I would go through these periods of like severe, severe PTSD. And I was in therapy for all of these years working through PTSD. I was on medication for PTSD. I was also on medication for anxiety, medication for insomnia, like really heavy duty sleeping medication called trazodone. I was on ADHD medication. I was on Xanax, like so many different things. So first of all, I was just numbing out. And there's nothing wrong with medication when you really need it. And some of those medications I did really need, and I'm glad that I was on them. And other of them were just too much and um, really putting a band-aid on the problem. So I couldn't sleep without trazodone and Xanax, but then I couldn't function during the day without Adderall. And then I would take the other medications for anxiety and PTSD and I would drink at night. And this was just a whole, a whole thing. And it's so wild to think back on now because my spiritual journey, my awakening journey, um, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to be channeling a little bit in this episode. My awakening journey has really guided me on the path of 
really, really being very substance-free with the exception of certain plant medicines. And I take really minimal amounts of medications, even when I'm very sick. So things have changed, but I've always been the kind of person who has to experience something firsthand to realize that it doesn't work for me. So very interestingly, this is always like my funny story, is that I turned 21 when I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy. And on that trip, when I actually turned the legal drinking age, was when I really stopped caring as much about alcohol and partying. And I still cared about it and I still partied and I drank. And my 21st birthday is the only night of my life that I ever blacked out. But it was more of a fun blackout. Actually, okay, that sounds horrible. It was not a fun blackout. I completely take that back. It was more of a fun night before I blacked out because I was happy. There was no crying. I was in very good spirits. I was celebrating my 21st birthday surrounded by people I loved. I was very safe. So I was very lucky. I had a lot of people with me and looking out for me um, so that nothing bad could happen. But yeah, blacking out is never a good thing. So anyways, that was the only night that I ever blacked out. And it's because I mixed every type of alcohol under the sun from, um, from wine to like those huge, just buckets of alcohol that that they give you at bars that are like blue for college students and probably full of like everything from tequila to gin to vodka to beer and beyond. And that night I did cartwheels all the way home and woke up the next morning like, oh my God, how did I even get home? What even happened? And from there, I just remember on that trip specifically having so many moments of if we had a trip planned to go to Greece, for example, to do the whole pink toga party, like booze cruise, very, very, very wild college student type of trip. I would go because I didn't want to be separate from all my friends, but I wanted so badly to escape to the Tuscan countryside, go on a yoga retreat, meditate, I felt pulled in Italy toward the history and toward the spiritual elements that I felt when I was in the countryside. Um, And I just wanted to get involved in the yoga community there. So I would take yoga classes in Italian and do my best to follow along. I would walk so far miles in Florence to like the other side of the bridge in Florence to go to this one little yoga studio that was, I think, one of two yoga studios in all of Florence to take this yoga class. And that's what made me happy. And then I started saying no more often to going out at night. And that became huge. And this was a really, a really good time for me because we were in Italy. There was so much to do during the day. I was writing, I was writing fiction. I was writing about my life. I was writing about my situation with Tommy my we were no longer together and right before that trip was like a really 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 big disappointment with him and a big milestone where he just kind of stopped speaking to me cut me out for a while and that would always send me into a tailspin especially with the PTSD and worrying about his life um But by the end of that trip, I really felt so much stronger and so much more equipped 
to speak my truth and to tell people no, like, no, I actually don't want to go out tonight, but you guys go ahead and I'll just stay home. And I did that when we were there. Um, my friends that I was there with, we all kind of started doing that more often versus me being the kind of person who did go out every single night previously of high school and college and beyond. And I got very close with my Italian host family there. They're so wonderful. We still talk to this day. And I really just feel like my life became a lot more full and a lot more enriched and I really started tapping into the spiritual part of myself, even if I didn't even know what that was yet. But for me at the time, that looked like going to cafes and wandering the cobblestone streets and writing fiction and um, letting the words spill onto the page, reading. I read the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which I highly recommend, which was like, it was kind of dense at first, but it is a spiritual awakening once you get through that book. And I was 21. So had a lot to learn. I was at the very beginning of my spiritual awakening and came home. Um, physically, I had gained like 15 or 20 pounds from eating gelato every day. I maintained my vegetarianism in Italy. So that means all I was eating was pasta and tons of pasta, tons of gelato, tons of like these huge breakfast, lunch, and dinners that we'd be served there every day. Lots of cheese. This was before I went gluten-free before I went completely vegan. So yeah, as you can imagine, I wasn't feeling very good in my body. And I think that was another inspiration to me to kind of not drink so much alcohol. Because also, even though I started drinking less when I was in Italy, we still drank a lot of wine. So between the wine, the pasta, the gelato, and I say all this, but I, I wouldn't go back and do it any differently. But I had just ballooned up. I didn't feel like myself. The first thing my dad said to me, bless his heart, he's very honest, when I stepped off the plane was, um, wow, your legs are big. Like, wow, I can really see it in your legs that you gained a lot of weight. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and I didn't care that much about the physical aspect of it, but I knew that my, for the first time really in my life, my body didn't really feel at its best or its most optimal. So the next semester I went back to back to LMU and it was weird. It was a very hard, difficult adjustment for me to go back to living in LA and being in my sorority and um, kind of just seeing from a bird's eye view what the priorities were of my me before before I had studied abroad and then the priorities of a lot of the people that I was surrounded with. And I just kind of felt out of place and felt like, wow, I just had this life-changing experience. I lived in Italy. I saw new countries every weekend, um, met all these new people, had this spiritual awakening, focused on my writing. And now I'm back at this at this place where the main attraction is parties and drinking. And that's not to be said for everyone who went to college at LMU, but that was just what I had done there. That was the people that I knew. So, um, so I went back to doing that and, and 
there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with any of those people. I love those people. Still so many of my closest friends to this day. I was just struggling with um, maintaining that ability to speak to speak my truth and to even know what my truth was. So um, for my final year at LMU, I was the director of health and fitness in my sorority, Alpha Phi, and I also was doing a yoga teacher training at Yoga Works in Manhattan Beach and felt like I was finally doing the things that lit me up and set my soul on fire. And I did, I had a boyfriend that I had met studying abroad. He went to LMU, his, well, I'm not going to say his name. Anyways, we met studying abroad. He went to LMU and during my senior year, he cheated on me very publicly at one of my sorority events. We had been together for a year at that point and I really saw us staying together, like staying together after college. I thought maybe we would move to Europe together, which was something that he was thinking of doing for work and I was planning on going with him crazy enough and that experience of him cheating on me was a huge catalyst for me to change everything in my life. Like, first of all, it was totally shocking and devastating. And if you've ever been cheated on, you know, it's just the most violating feeling that I've ever experienced. Like, they didn't even try to hide it. They did it in front of everyone we knew. And it was just, it was basically like a huge F you from him and also from the girl, but obviously I felt him and, um, it sent me into the biggest, one of the biggest awakenings of my life because me being this notoriously loving and forgiving person, I had forgiven Tommy for everything that we had been through together. I probably could have found it within me to forgive this college boyfriend. Um, so I could stay with him. I loved him and I wanted to stay with him. I didn't want our relationship to be over. And that was the worst part. Like the whole thing was so violating and awful to experience. But the worst part was I was so unprepared for our relationship to end. Um, in my eyes, it was a great relationship at the time that just just ended, just had to end. And that was a hard thing that I couldn't wrap my head around at first. And here's the other thing. He was not regretful. He was not sorry at all. Um, and then I quickly realized there were so many issues with him and we were not a good couple. And I reconnected to myself and my friends and my community in a huge way after he and I broke up because I think he did not actually bring out the best in me. And looking back now, it's extremely clear to me that he had an alcohol problem himself now that we're talking about alcohol on this podcast, um, which fueled him to cheat and so many other things. So that was wild. And I bring that up because that situation is what the Blonde Vegan was born out of. The Blonde Vegan being the name of my blog before I changed it to The Balanced Blonde. So after that experience and that breakup with him, it was the holidays. I went home for the holiday season. I finally became very inspired to put my health first and my fitness first. I did a plant-based 
cleanse with my mom and fell in love with the plant-based lifestyle and juicing and smoothies and decided that I felt so good that I didn't want to go back to how I was eating the way before. And my body became so pure and felt so pure from that cleanse and that experience. And I also just started eating differently. Like I started eating a more healthy amount versus just eating the way a lot of college students do and ended up losing all the weight that I had gained um, studying abroad. And I felt really good and super healthy and lean and strong, started teaching yoga and, um, and really just put myself first in this beautiful way. And from there, I still drank toward the end of college, but it just didn't feel aligned with my lifestyle anymore. And um, that's when I stopped taking all the medications that I mentioned. I just couldn't even, I couldn't even put an Adderall or a Trazodone in my mouth because I felt like my body was clean and pure and I didn't want to put a chemical or something synthetic into it. And that's before I was even educated on synthetic things, medications, etc. This was like just purely based off of intuition. So that was a very exciting time for me. It was a really wonderful time, a fun time in my life. I was really putting all my energy into myself, into my friendships, into my health and fitness and was teaching yoga at school. That was finally I felt like okay, I've looked up to people who've done this kind of thing for so long, who have lived their truth, who have just been exactly who they are, and now I'm finally living this way. So this was this was a good time. Then I started The Blonde Vegan, and I moved to New York, and that was when I really became who I was in my heart and who I am today, even though I've definitely evolved over the last seven-plus years. But when I moved to New York and I started grad school and I was blogging full time, I finally was in a position where everyone who was a part of my life in New York knew me for who I was in my heart. So in grad school, we would go to bars after class in the West Village. Other people would drink and I would order water and that became a joke, but it was also, it was so supported. Everyone there was, was just amazing and was doing their own thing. And if anything, they were inspired by the healthy choices and they would ask me to teach them more about it. A bunch of them did the first few rounds of my TBV cleanse program that I used to run on the blog. And that was an incredible feeling to never feel judged for my choices. And then my friends from college who had moved to New York or my friends from childhood, my best friend, Katie, who I lived with in New York, everybody was just supportive, doing what worked for them. I definitely hadn't cut alcohol out of my life, but every time I did drink, it just felt so far out of alignment with the healthy lifestyle that I focused on, that I put all of my energy into. So it just continued to feel more and more out of alignment until I eventually stopped doing it. Then I moved back to LA and to just kind of wrap the story up there, ever since I moved back to LA, I just really couldn't bring myself to drink very much. And if I ever did, it was just so clear to me that I was doing it because 
it made other people more comfortable or other people wanted me to, or I didn't want to be the downer, especially at a wedding or a bachelorette or a birthday. But then I realized, you know what? Nobody has to wake up in my body after a night of drinking except for me. And nobody's waking up the next morning thinking about whether or not I drank or thinking, oh man, I'm so happy that Jordan had a drink last night or I'm so mad that she doesn't drink alcohol. Um, That said, in the very beginning of kind of stopping my alcohol consumption, I had a little bit of judgment from some people. And I think it's because when you choose to do something, when you choose to live a certain way, it holds a mirror to other people's experience of their, of their life. And it holds a mirror to maybe a way that they would like to live differently or a way that they would like to change, but they're not open to. So if I ever did come up against any judgment or any resistance, it was in the beginning of the journey that way where people would be like, oh, come on, Jordan, it's my birthday. Like, don't you care about me enough to drink with me? And then we grew up and people don't say that kind of thing anymore. And if they did or if they still would, like they're probably not my type of friend because that is just a trigger. And if they feel triggered by something that I do, you know, that's not really on me. And so my favorite quote is people can only meet you as deep as they've met themselves. So I think anyone who has met themselves deep enough to know that what someone else does is just about them. It's not about you. It's not a personal attack on you. Nothing of the sort. Um, Those are the kinds of people that I strive to keep in my life. So then let's fast forward all the way until last year, 2019. So I had just drank probably a total of like once or twice each year ever since I moved back to LA six years ago. And for the year of 2019, I decided that was going to be the first year that I didn't even take one single sip of alcohol. So that was the year of our wedding, my bachelorette party, so many other events and things leading up to the wedding. And I always went into it with this viewpoint of if I want to have a drink, I will. I'm not one to deprive myself of something that I love or something that I want, but I haven't had the desire to drink alcohol in as long as I can possibly remember. Like even the thought of alcohol makes me, makes me, makes me gag. So in the beginning of 2019, I made that resolution to myself. And in January 2019, I did my first ayahuasca plant medicine journey. And on that ayahuasca journey, I was drenched in sweat. So that was one of the ways I was purging. I was completely drenched in sweat. And to me, my sweat smelled completely like vodka, which was crazy because I really hadn't drank much in so long and it had been so many months since I had even had a sip of alcohol, but all I could smell was vodka to the point where I felt like people were pinning me down. This is what I felt like, um, pouring vodka into my mouth and like all over my clothes. And it was the only thing I could smell. And then I got this really loud and clear message from the medicine, from the ayahuasca that said, don't ever drink alcohol again. I mean, basically it was said in a much more eloquent way, but it was said to me that for my body and my particular healing journey and everything about my body, 
I never drink alcohol again. To me, alcohol is poison. So that is what was said to me in the ayahuasca journey. And I felt it so deeply. And when I awakened from that journey, um, that was the main thing that I remembered was this extreme situation of of smelling the vodka and then hearing from my spirits to never drink alcohol again and that it's part of my path to be sober and to not drink alcohol totally unrelated by the way from other substances like I do clearly enjoy plant medicine ayahuasca on occasion mushrooms on occasion I'm not a THC person but if I was I would enjoy it um much more of a CBD person And that was a huge turning point for me too, especially spiritually. So starting this podcast was very much the beginning of my spiritual journey. And I want to touch on all of that. But before we dive into my spiritual journey and how much that has been a part of my alcohol journey, I wanted to thank our second sponsor for today's episode, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the green powder drink that I've been drinking every morning. It precedes my coffee and it's the first thing that I have upon waking up and getting out of bed. Gives me so much energy, makes me feel amazing because even with a balanced diet, it's very difficult to cover all of our nutritional bases. So that's where Athletic Greens will help. Their daily drink is like nutritional insurance for our body that's delivered straight to your door makes life super easy. It combines 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. It's packed with adaptogens, probiotics, vitamin C, and is just a very easy all-in-one solution to help your body meet its nutritional needs. Their highly absorbable powder is diet-friendly, whether you eat vegan, paleo, keto, gluten-free, or dairy-free. And it is all packed into one drink with less than one gram of sugar, and it also tastes great. So probably my favorite thing about it is that it makes me spring out of bed with energy, which can be really hard to come by for me. So I'm huge into that. I also just love how easy it is. I'm usually a big green juice person. You guys know this. I drink my celery juice every morning, but lately I have not felt like whipping out my juicer right when I get out of bed. I like to kind of save that for midday now because I've found that I feel so good and I get all of those vitamins and minerals and probiotics and adaptogens and everything else that I could need or want with the athletic greens first thing in the morning. It was developed with the best in mind when it comes to athletic performance and high performers and athletes worldwide. They take their product very seriously. And it is, of course, in order to be TBP approved, no GMOs, no harmful chemicals, no funny additives. And it's amazing. I'm obsessed with it. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now is the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. As always, we have a very special offer for you guys. Athletic Greens is offering my listeners a free gift with your first purchase with a minimum value of $20. So to redeem that, simply go to athleticgreens.com slash blonde to claim this special offer. That is athleticgreens.com slash blonde for this fabulous green powder with 75 highly absorbable ingredients. Enjoy. 
Okay, so let's talk about spirituality and how that goes hand in hand with why I no longer drink. So here's the thing. I don't ever like to tell someone how to be and especially how to be spiritual because there's many different ways to be spiritual and many different ways to be high vibe and to live a high vibrational life. And I've met people with all different lifestyles from all walks of life who live a very spiritual life. You can party and drink and be spiritual. You can be sober and chill and be spiritual. There's so many different ways to be. But for me personally, I strive so much to be as clear and open as possible, to keep my third eye as clear as open as possible as well. And part of that is based off of how I eat, salt, oil, sugar-free, and plant-based. And another piece of that is not ingesting any substance that is going to alter my mind or my body in a negative way. And like I said, after ayahuasca, I just really started viewing alcohol for myself as poison. And I talked a little bit about five-dimensional consciousness in a recent spirituality solo episode. and. Let's just say alcohol is very three-dimensional. So for example, in the fifth dimension, all that exists is love. We connect with love. It's a space with no dimensions, no barriers. It's very high frequency. It's a very high frequency place to connect to. So when I'm channeling places like the Pleiades and the Pleiadians that live in the Pleiades, that is a 5D place of consciousness. So let's just say alcohol is very three-dimensional in the sense that it is not all about love. It is not all about light. It is it is an illusion. So basically in the three-dimensional reality, we very much adapt to the game of life. We can call it the matrix and we accept all of the 3D illusions as our reality because everyone does. So what we do is we suppress all different questions that we have about our purpose, our true origin, our soul's talents and gifts, our spiritual awakening. And we feel like if we have these questions, something's wrong with us. So what we do in order to not be considered insane or unrealistic or just a dreamer who doesn't live on this earth, we stick with the system. And when we stick with the system, we don't realize that we have an inner power where we can break free from our ego mind. We don't see that the whole system is actually a fake matrix based on fear. So There's a whole, there's so much that goes into all of that because the system is what keeps us living the way that we do. We know there's a lot of problems with every system right now, which I won't get into because I will stick to the topic of of what we're here to talk about today. Um, The fourth dimension is a higher dimension. That is the magical dream world. That's where we go when we dream. We might astral travel. You might have dreams where anything is possible, like you can fly or you can transform a mouse into a lion or you can breathe underwater or you can be two places at once. That is a higher frequency place to be. And you can also live that way when you're awake. And so I try to live on a higher frequency all the time. Also, it can be a little bit hard to be a 4D person in a 3D world because it it kind of just, um, let's just say 
when I'm trying to live in this very high frequency place, it is very hard to awaken to what's actually going on in reality. I have a lot of panic attacks. I have a lot of thought spirals. I have a lot of insomnia. I have, um, I'm just so deeply, highly sensitive. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about anyone who's been on this spiritual path and has been open to their clairvoyant gifts, claircognizant gifts, and ascending rapidly, which I believe everybody here listening to this podcast is rapidly ascending. So we are all in this together. And then there's the fifth dimension, which is the plane of light. And the fifth dimension is all of pure light, unconditional love, source energy. Um, It is a dimension beyond space and time. And physical existence is still possible there, although the body's lighter. So if you've ever had visions of being in a very beautiful place where there's no limits, we live in complete freedom, complete authenticity. We share unconditionally. We love unconditionally. There's no fear. There's no illness. There's no aging. All those kinds of wonderful things. You guys have heard me talk about trying to ascend to a place where illness can no longer exist. It's basically just means ascension of the ego. So it might sound really crazy, really out there. You might be listening and thinking, okay, I thought I was listening to a podcast about alcohol. What is this girl talking about now? What I'm talking about is living from the heart because living in the fifth dimension means living from the heart. So we connect through our hearts. We feel the connection and love flow infinitely between us. That is the state where I strive to live a very high frequency place. And alcohol does not resonate there with me. Also, eating animal foods does not resonate there with me. So that's why I choose to live a plant-based life. I choose to not drink alcohol. I choose to not alter my mind state unless I am doing so with very conscious plant medicine in conscious ceremony with energy alchemists and shamans and healers and very, very wise souls who can help guide me into a deeper awakening um, versus into more trauma and more pain, which is exactly what I am working to ascend um, and transmute. And I know I've experienced my fair share of trauma in this life, just like everyone has, and it's all relative. A lot of my trauma has been related to what I've been through with Tommy, and a lot of my trauma is family trauma and things that come from my paternal lineage, which I have awoken to during plant medicine journeys. And this is something we go deep into in my course, Waking Back Up to Your Own Soul, which I highly recommend checking out if you have not checked it out before. We can leave a link in the show notes. And basically what I'm saying is that a lot of my experiences with alcohol created and perpetuated the trauma and the PTSD that I experienced after being with Tommy and after almost losing him. And then, so that's a huge reason why I don't drink spiritual reasons. I keep my third eye very clean and open so that I can channel, which I'm going to do in this episode. And then the other reason why I don't drink is purely physical because after what I've experienced with chronic illness, 
I really do see anything that's not clean and pure and from the earth as poison to my body. There's a reason why I eat predominantly fruits and vegetables. I don't eat oil. I don't eat salt. So it would be very out of alignment with the way that I try to live if I were to drink alcohol. At this stage in my life, um, if I'm drinking in five years, I'm sure I will have a good explanation for it at least for myself, because that's the only person I will really need to answer to. But um, I don't I don't see myself drinking in the future. So for those reasons, healing from chronic illness, I also was on a lot of medications for a long time with Lyme that really truly would have been very dangerous for me to drink alcohol. And I have enough health issues as it is, so I don't need to add to them by... Um, drinking alcohol and something that would be so acidic in my body. So for the spiritual reasons, the health reasons, my overall journey, I'm so much happier not drinking alcohol. Some of the benefits that I've experienced have been, first of all, better mornings. You're never hungover. Um, My health has improved. I've definitely been able to maintain my ideal weight with ease because when you're not drinking, I also find making better food choices is a lot easier keeping a schedule, exercising, waking up on the early side is much easier to do. But honestly, I haven't drank in so long. I don't even, I can barely even talk about how different I am now because I'm just different in every single way possible. I've just, I'm just a different person and I really do focus on the law of attraction and and putting into the universe what I want to get back. So late nights, drinking alcohol, not being myself in that way, that's just not what I want to get back from the universe. I just want to focus on the people I love, the things I love, focus on gratitude, focus on the creative flow of the universe. And for me, that doesn't include alcohol at this time in my life. So that leads me into answering your questions. You guys have asked so many incredible questions. I think I'll answer a handful of them now and then I'll channel a little bit and then I will answer some more and then we will wrap it up. So I want to give the answers to your questions a lot of thought and purpose, but I also want to get through quite a few of them because you guys have had so many good ones. So this will be like slightly rapid fire. Okay. Miss Christina LaBarbera says, has anyone given you, does anyone give you a hard time about not drinking? So like I was saying earlier in the episode, yes, when I was like 22, 23 and just kind of cut alcohol out of my life without, without fully cutting it out. I did receive some judgment from some people. I would get those things like, but it's my birthday. Won't you just drink for me? Come on. But that was never really my problem. That was always just someone else being triggered. And I will say after all these years of really not drinking alcohol anymore, my friends, my family, everyone is very supportive. It's very rare that someone even asks me to drink alcohol now or tries to pressure me because they just respect who I am. They've seen my whole journey. And like I was saying before, I just try not to surround myself with people who act off of impulse triggers in that way. On the other hand, I definitely get a lot of people who are very intrigued about why I don't drink, especially people who don't know me very well or friends of Jonathan, maybe that I hadn't spent very much time with before 
people are super intrigued and it becomes a conversation starter, whether I like it or not. And that's totally fine because I love to talk about it and explain to people. And people are always just like, wow, good for you. And if they get super hung up on it, I find that that is just a trigger in their life. And I try to separate myself from that situation because I know that there's it doesn't have a whole lot to do with me um okay so someone asks what are some of the best non-alcoholic drinks that you've had that's from Shelly Horger my love so good to hear from you some of the best non-alcoholic drinks that I've had well I had a lot of good ones in Bali they are all about the mocktail life I love like a dragon fruit smoothie with um with lime and banana and something really tropical if I'm on the beach. But at home, my favorite thing to make is a sparkling water with mint and ginger and a little bit of lemon. And that is such a good mocktail. Sometimes I even put stevia in it or like a little bit of agave or honey to sweeten it. And to me, it tastes like a soda or like a delicious mocktail, which is so delicious. Balanced Britta asks, is there ever a time that you just have one or two drinks? No. So yeah, I totally stopped drinking in 2019. To me, it's not worth it. I mean, I've had one friend like hold out their um, their alcoholic beverage to me and be like, please try it. Please try it. Like, come on. It'll make me so happy. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to. Like, that's not what makes me happy. That's I don't get off on that. It doesn't make me excited doesn't make my body feel happy. Like I'm good. So, um, no, I really don't. I mean, in the future, maybe, but I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Sophie asks, what was the final realization that pushed you to be sober? Did you feel left out in the beginning? Okay. So the final realization was that after my good friend's wedding in 2019, I was very hungover and I realized the only time I drink, which at that point was like once or twice a year. And I was very sick. So I had no business drinking or putting alcohol into my body because I was so ill with Lyme at that time. I could barely get out of bed anyway. And the realization that I had was the only time I ever drink is to please other people or to not make other people feel uncomfortable or to celebrate because we've been taught in our culture and society that that is the only way to celebrate or that's the way that we have to celebrate or that we should celebrate. So when I realized I was doing it for other people and not for myself, I realized I'm fun no matter what. I know I'm fun no matter what. In fact, I'm more fun when I'm living authentically to my truth, to my heart, to who I really am. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. And the thought of not drinking anymore made me feel so excited that I knew that I had struck a chord, something deep within me. Because also... As we know, from the spiritual side of things, my angels had been trying to tell me to do this for so long. So that was the realization there. Jessica Lynn asks, you've mentioned psychedelics. Do you use THC or anything else besides alcohol? So I'm not a THC person. I don't like being high from marijuana. I love plant medicine. That's my thing. Ayahuasca, mushrooms on occasion. I also go through phases where I don't want to do anything to alter my brain state at all. But I find 
plant medicine is very five-dimensional and beyond, so I'm all about that. I do not like anything that takes me out of a high frequency or makes me feel like I'm not in the energetic flow of the universe. So for me, no THC, but I love CBD and no alcohol. A Whispering Soul asks, do you still go out to bars? I mean, sometimes, not really. The only time that I would ever go out to a bar would be for someone's birthday or for some kind of social event. And I have no problem being at a bar. Like I said early on in the episode, I feel very grateful that I never had any sort of substance abuse issues with alcohol. So going to a bar doesn't make me uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel like I want to drink. It it honestly makes me feel like I'm so happy that I don't drink. I'm so happy that this is not my life. But yeah, I'll go to a bar if if that's where my friends are and that's what what it takes to be out there celebrating them or whatever. But Uh, It's not my first choice of place to hang out. I much prefer hanging out at people's houses or restaurants or like a cozy place. I don't love being at bars, that's for sure, anymore. I used to live in bars and clubs. I Every Hollywood club, you would find me there when I was like 18, 19. That was the place. Clea Isabella says, so many parts of culture are tied into drinking, like celebrating and traveling. How do we redefine it? Okay, that's a very good question. So I have found you can celebrate life in any way you choose, whether you're sober, whether you're doing it with alcohol, whether like in my case, you have a chronic illness that you have to take into account. So I find other ways to celebrate and really redefine what celebration means to me. And I have so much fun, Jonathan and I, like traveling and seeking out vegan cafes, getting in bed early and watching a movie together and drinking sparkling water with lime. That's like our celebration drink. Um, And oh my gosh, it's such a celebration and it's so fun. I find celebration in being with my love and taking time off from work and indulging in beautiful experiences like beautiful hikes and beautiful massages and facials and very sensual things um, that can be really fun and celebratory for me and also for for us as a couple because Jonathan does drink, which is another question I got from a lot of people. He doesn't drink a lot, but he is definitely not alcohol-free, but he doesn't love drinking, so that made it a lot easier for me to fully cut the cord with alcohol because we just as a couple that was never our thing our first few dates we tried to drink and like drink wine and do that whole thing and we would go to bars but quickly we realized what was important to both of us and that also escalated our relationship um But yeah, I feel like we can definitely redefine what celebrating is to us. And I always remind myself, I'm fun. I don't really give a shit if somebody else thinks that I'm not just because I'm not drinking. Um, I think I'm more fun when I'm living my best self and my best life. And if that means that I can't stay out as late or um, be the friend who's like the last one at the bar at a bachelorette, that's okay because I'm not that friend. And 
I just accept who I am, but like, I will be the friend who makes you breakfast and has coffee with you in the morning and goes on a long walk with you and like, whatever. I mean, there's so many things that I love. So just redefining what you love and what celebration means to you. Um, let's see here. Okay. This was a question I got a lot. This one's from Emily Nelson. Did you start to lose friends once becoming sober? I don't think I lost any friends. I definitely saw a couple people's true colors in the sense that um, really just one person I can think of was very, very triggered by it and very upset, kind of defending the point of like, no, no, you can still like drink alcohol and be a spiritual person and that kind of thing. And I totally agree. Um, and I learned a lot from, from having that conversation, but I do think it was more of like a personal trigger. So I, I didn't lose that friendship at all, but it, it showed me that no matter what, no matter what we're doing, no matter what the intentions are, it can still be triggering to someone. So that was, more of a more of an awakening for me to just further disconnect from from knowing that um or further connect rather to knowing that the choices that I make really don't have anything to do with anyone else and if people think it has to do with them then that's on them um and then I have maybe like one or two friends who were more of like surface level friends who we just don't see each other anymore because I don't drink and I don't go out to those types of parties or anything. And that's okay with me because we were never close friends to begin with. All of my close friendships, even the people who really drink very often, which is a lot of my friends and a lot of my family, we have so many common interests. So the fact that drinking isn't one of them is totally okay. And I love and appreciate that they just accept me for who I am. And maybe they wish that I could be out at more things, doing more things, drinking with them. But I think at the end of the day, they know living your truth is what is the most important thing. And I also have so many friends who don't drink. So on this path of spirituality and awakening, I have met so many incredible friends who don't drink. And so many of them have been on this podcast, like Britt and Tara and Sahara Ashley Straff. Well, she drinks a little bit, I think, but not very much. Um, Many people who are completely sober, and I love that. It makes me feel very much not alone. Um, Ruby Warrington, of course, sober curious. So, okay, I think I'm going to take a break from the questions, and I'm going to try channeling and see what happens. Let's see if the angels and the guides are ready to come through and just talk a little bit more about the spiritual reasons for not drinking. So first, I want to call in my angels, my guides, my ancestors of the highest and greatest good. I would also love to call in the Pleiadian light beings of the highest and greatest good to share with us information that will further and better people's lives and tell us whatever. We're here, we are open, we are receiving. And you guys, if I'm quiet for a second, just know it's because I'm listening to to the messages that are coming through and then I will translate. (laughs) 
Okay, so the first message I'm getting, it feels like it's from the Pleiadians, is that if you're interested in being sober and you're more sober curious, that if you're worried about getting into that routine, don't worry, because they're saying that developing habits in that routine is like riding a bike. So if you're really used to drinking and that's part of your everyday life, what what they keep saying and showing me over and over is it's like riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. And so I'm just going to say that because maybe that means something to those of you listening, but also my interpretation is it is like riding a bike to get used to living a different kind of lifestyle and just know that that's okay. And it takes some practice and you might fall off a few times and not to beat yourself up over that because ultimately it's a learned habit that you'll get back into. So that's one of the things that they're saying. They're also saying, and I'm just hearing this right now and I'm just gonna speak it as they tell it to me. They're saying that for myself, for Jordan in particular, not drinking was a very important part of of her path. And so they're speaking like this and they're talking about me in the third person. Not drinking is a very important part of Jordan's path because it is she that is meant to be sharing this wisdom of the alcohol-free life with those of you listening. And those of you listening, since time and space does not exist, we're meant to be here listening to this at this time. And a message from the Pleiadians for you, now that you're here listening, is that the consciousness of this no drinking, the, if, you, if you feel pulled to not drinking, then you're connected to this consciousness that is basically, it's the color purple is what they're telling me to tell you. And so it's so weird because my eyes were closed and I just opened them and I saw this like purple card deck that is just like reaching out to me right now. And they're saying the color purple will surround you. And if you choose to embark on this path of deeper awakening and spirituality, where you will inevitably decide to drink less and less and maybe drink never again, purple will show up in your consciousness, in your third eye, in your meditations. And they're saying you can ask yourself in meditation to be surrounded by the color purple and, um, And that is just a good guiding point that will help you connect and will also help you um, if you're struggling to find the courage to go sober, to get sober and to stay sober, um, if that's something that you want. So that's something that they're saying very clearly. Now I'll say, okay, Pleiadians, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to share with us? Yes. So they're saying that alcohol is a trigger food or beverage for a lot of people. Um, And what they're likening it to is for me, chocolate is a big trigger. I, I know they're showing me chocolate because chocolate is one of the things that I love the most. And I would say if I was addicted to anything, any food, it would be chocolate. Um, I have very good willpower, obviously, when it comes to things like alcohol. I don't want alcohol, but um, non-SOS-free vegan foods, I have all the willpower because I know what's important to me is to feel good in my body. But they're showing me over and over, they're saying, Jordan, chocolate, chocolate to you is alcohol to many, many people listening and many people out there. So I get it. And that does give me an extra layer of compassion because I have had so many inspiring moments to give up chocolate because I feel like it kind of rules my world 
in the sense that like it does have caffeine. So there's an addiction there. Dopamine and serotonin are released in the brain when you eat something like that, that you love. And there's nothing wrong with me eating chocolate. And I love chocolate. And I think it's so important to indulge in things we love. But the reason the Pleiadians are bringing it up to me now is because it's not exactly a healthy relationship I have with chocolate. It's more of, um, right now, it's more of an addiction. Like I can't go through a day without it. So they're showing me that as, as if to tell you guys, I do get it. I get it. We all have trigger foods, trigger things. And if alcohol or some other substance is that thing for you, they're saying, cut it out, cut it out cut it out. That's what they keep saying. And they keep saying like, you're stronger than you know. It's like riding a bike. Just cut it out. If you want the healing, if you want the ascension, cutting it out will result in the ultimate abundance. That's what they're saying. And they're saying only love exists, only love exists. And I take that as like, you can't really go wrong. So show yourself love, but also only love exists. I also take that as like alcohol doesn't really exist on that loving plane. Now I'm getting crazy chills, crazy chills. Um, they're also saying anyone who's ever had a near death experience will see, will see the importance of what we're talking about here. So I'm asking them to clarify and they're saying the alcohol, of course. And I agree. And I think I've never had a near-death experience, but what I have had is these plant medicine journeys that have very much felt like a, plant, a near-death experience. And what am I talking about? I have had a near-death experience and I've talked about it here. I almost blacked it out, but I, it's not that alcohol came up specifically during my near-death experience, but what they're saying is if you've ever touched God in that way, that's how they're asking me to clarify it, then you know the powers that be within you and whatever you want to do, you can do it and you will do it. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you, Pleiadians. Thank you for being here. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? They're just closing out by saying this is a very important topic. They're very happy that we're talking about it here today. There's a reason why so many of you sent in questions to me, and that's because we are all very connected to similar higher power in a similar place, which is the Pleiadians. And I'm covered in goosebumps and chills, you guys. This is such truth coming in from them, such wisdom. So I'll close that out now by saying thank you so much, Pleiadians. Thank you to our angels, our guides of the highest and greatest good. Thank you so much for spread, spreading this message with us. And they're telling me to remind you about the color purple as well. So don't forget that when we get off and just closing out that energy exchange, thanking them so much for it. And now... I will just answer a couple more of your guys' questions and I'll save the rest for my TBB newsletter and for any other upcoming episodes on this topic. <laughs> Laura Bales asks, do drunk people annoy, annoy you? No, I mean, this kind of goes back to the whole thing about triggers. Like if they annoyed me just because they were drinking and just because they were drunk, then that would be more about me than it would be about them. But that said, I guess if they're actually doing something really annoying, then probably, but I would just remove myself from the situation. But that's, that's a good question. Let's see here. I'm scrolling around. 
Um, advice for how to gracefully decline when offered alcohol from Jess Duvall. Yeah. So I would just say, thank you. So I usually just say, no, thank you. And then when people insist, I say, no, no, thank you. I actually don't drink. And then they're like, oh, wow, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And usually that's enough. And if people say, oh, why, why don't you drink? Or like, how can you do that? Then we just get into a meaningful conversation about it if need be. Most people are very respectful if you just say, no, I don't drink. And they're like, wait, ever? And I'm like, yeah, ever. And they're like, wait, always? And I say, no, just for the last few years. People usually don't press on about that. But if they do, I'm happy to have that conversation. Fitness Yogi says, how do you feel when your friends ask why you don't drink? Well, my friends all know now at this point, but if they did ask, I would just say, I would feel fine. And I would just say, you know what I've been through with my health and my body. And to me, it's just not worth it. I also don't like alcohol. And I'm just at a point in my life where I'm not interested in putting anything into my body that I don't like and that I don't want and that doesn't make me feel good. and I would also say, I don't, I don't care when people drink around me. I'm so used to it. My husband drinks, my parents drink, my friends drink. There's no judgment from me. Um, and like, I promise I'm still a lot of fun. And my friends, when we were on my bachelorette, when the trip ended, somehow it came up like, yep, I literally didn't have a sip of alcohol. And And some of my best friends were like, wait, I literally forgot that you don't drink because that's how much people just don't think about it anymore because we all have an equally good time. We all stay out together, um, especially at my own bachelorette. And then we focused on doing so many other wellnessy things at the bachelorette. We did a cacao ceremony, which was amazing, which I definitely want to talk more about soon. Jessica Francis says, do you think drinking in moderation can be part of a healthy lifestyle? I do. Not for me personally, but for others, of course. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all or a blanket statement. As my dad says, moderation in all things is healthy. So I'm definitely not anti people who choose to do that. For me, though, like with my goals and my goals of living at a higher frequency, not exactly. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to choose one more question, which is hard because you guys have so many good ones. Oh, this is a good one. Serena EK says if you could do college or high school again, would you be sober? And the answer to this would be no, because I think all of that had to be part of my journey. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about myself. I also learned a lot about the issues that I had with PTSD and beyond because of my Um, relationship with alcohol. So I wouldn't change it. If anything, I would probably just say that I wish I didn't binge drink so heavily because I really drank heavily. And so did everybody around me. And I remember saying to my mom one time, how can it be healthy to drink this much? And she's like, it's not. I'm like, but everyone does it. And she's like, yeah. And then she said when she was young, everybody was doing psychedelics all the time. And so I think we just learn as we grow and I wouldn't do it differently, but um, I just can't imagine drinking that way now. So yeah, that has been my experience. And 
I'm so happy to share it with you guys here today. Thank you so much for listening and for being here. I would love to hear your alcohol stories. If you feel inspired to share them with me on Instagram, please do or email. And if you feel inspired to rate and review the show on iTunes, I would love that. And send in your screenshot of your rating and review to Jordan at thebalancewand.com for a free gift from me as a thank you. And lastly, thank you so much to our sponsors of today's show, Cured Nutrition and Athletic Greens, both of which you can find information and discount codes for in the show notes. And thank you to the Pleiadians for coming in and for sharing with us. That was a super special treat and I love everything that they had to say. And as usual, I pretty much blacked out when they were talking. So I can't wait to listen to this in a couple weeks when this comes out and learn from them again. And sending you guys so much love. Have a wonderful soul on fire day and we'll talk soon.